one of the great hymns that we sing. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, uh, with all that wilderness imagery there, the bread of heaven, the fiery pillar, and the most important image, uh, our strong deliverer. This is a song about the God of the Exodus, uh, the God who rescues, the God who hears the cries of the people and sees their plight and remembers His covenant promises. He knows what they're going through. And throughout the Exodus story, God truly is their strength and their shield. And the story that's captured in that hymn is something that we cling to as the people of God today. We hold on to that Exodus story in times of trial. But especially meaningful in the Exodus story is the image and the story of the wilderness wanderings where the, the nation of Israel had to go to the desert and they were depleted of their resources. They were a people who were on their way to the promised land, the, the land that was promised to Abraham, the land flowing with milk and honey. And yet before they grabbed a hold of the promised land, they had to spend time in the wilderness. So I recently finished a book called Bearing God's Name, written by a woman named Carmen Imes, and it's a very, very good book. But toward the beginning of the book, Imes takes some time to talk about what she calls liminal spaces. Liminal spaces. But liminal means threshold, and you think about the threshold and standing under the threshold. You are neither in the room or out of the room. You're in an, an in-between space. Uh, she gives the image of an airport being a liminal space. No one lives at an airport. An airport is designed to be a go-between space before we reach our destination. Uh, there's a more symbolic image of a liminal space, and that is the wedding ceremony. So when you are up there in front of witnesses with your significant other, you're not married yet, but you're on your way. A liminal space. Can you identify a liminal space in your life right now? Are you in one at this moment? For our college students, you're in a liminal space. You are exercising some independence, many of you off on, on your own, and yet you're not fully independent at this point. You will be soon. Of course, as Jimmy prayed over, we have people going through trial, and trial in and of itself is a liminal space. And For those who have ex experienced extended time in a hospital room, you'll know that, that time is different in a hospital room. You really are in between where you want to be. Uh, time is different. It's easy to lose track of the hours of the day and the days of the week. And all you're thinking about in the hospital room is when are we going to be home? When are we going to be at our destination? Some of you have been enduring disease, chronic disease, maybe even terminal disease, or chronic pain, something debilitating. And you're in a liminal space of where you really don't want to be. And this can happen in trials of different kinds. Broken relationships, maybe dealing with wayward children, difficulties with your job or finding a job. 
Maybe you're battling a temptation and you're not seeing the progress that you would hope for. Can you identify that liminal space? If you can, welcome to the wilderness. So why talk about the wilderness this morning? Well, the wilderness is the place where that fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer was born. So we've been working through the Lord's Prayer over the last several weeks and really trying to unpack this theme of worshiping God. Uh, The first of four statements of who we are as a people. We are a people who are dedicated and devoted to worshiping God and all the different aspects of what that entails. Uh, Roland read for us this morning Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, which reminds us that, that our daily living is really a spiritual sacrifice. It's our, our spiritual, our, our, our rational worship that we offer to God. But prayer is so integral to our worship. And so we would do well to spend some time with the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples. What did, what did Jesus mean by these different phrases? What was He trying to shape and his people by giving them the Lord's Prayer. Well, before we, we move into that fourth petition, uh, I do want to highlight a few resources uh, that I've been using as conversation partners, and I think you'll find them to be helpful. Uh, one of them is the little book called Lord Teach Us to Pray. It's, uh, you can get this on the Center for Christian Studies website. This, is, this was put together by... Uh, different instructors, professors at Austin Graduate School of Theology a few years ago. We've actually used this to work through the prayer uh, in a Bible class on a Sunday morning. Uh, The next one is a book called The Lord and His Prayer by N.T. Wright, and he has a lot of very helpful insights. Uh, Whether you agree with N.T. Wright or not, uh, engaging with him is a blessing. And finally, here's one that probably many of you have not heard of, Uh, but it's Living the Lord's Prayer by a man named David Timms. I think Martha Walker gave this book to me several years ago, and I have found this to be fantastic. Uh, Living the Lord's Prayer by David Timms. So if you're looking to take an even deeper dive into this prayer, uh, I would encourage you to take a look at one, two, or three of those resources. Uh, But this morning, we're going to take some time to look at that fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. And this petition really marks a big shift in the prayer. So thus far, all of the petitions and the invocation have been focused on on God, our Father in heaven, and God's name being hallowed, the reputation of His name being protected, His kingdom purposes being lived out in our lives as the kingdom has invaded this world. The kingdom that, on the one hand, has come through Jesus Christ. On the other hand, is coming one day upon His return. And then we pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that order matters. That order really does give shape to our prayers. Because it's only when our wills are aligned with God's will and His purposes that we offer up our wants, our needs, our desires to God. And and that focus on God really does reshape what we ask for and even how we ask for it. But what does it mean to ask God to give us this day 
our daily bread. Well, there are a lot of different passages we could go to. Uh, One passage that was probably in Jesus' mind whenever he uh, offered up this prayer is one of the sayings of Augur from Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8, 7, 8, and 9. So Solomon wasn't the one who wrote all of the Proverbs. Uh, Augur wrote a few, and it's captured in Proverbs chapter 30. But beginning in verse 7, I think the NIV gets this right. This is what Augur says. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Give me only my daily bread. So the context there is about not wanting to be too rich or too poor, uh, which certainly falls in line with the Sermon on the Mount. So when Jesus gives the prayer in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, shortly after that, he talks about not laying up treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy, but to lay up treasures in, in heaven. And then the Lord Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or wear. God will take care of that. Seek first his kingdom and all of his righteousness. And all of those things will be added unto you. And then he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. That sounds like, give me this day our daily bread to me. Of course, for many of us, this petition of the Lord's Prayer brings to memory what Jesus said in the Gospel of John when when he feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And and he says, I am the bread of life. So when we ask God to give us the daily bread, we're really asking God to supply us with that salvation that only comes through Jesus, the eternal life the abundant life. I am the bread of life. And that certainly is part of it. But I would caution us, and if you're not in the habit of thinking this way, I would, I would caution us from trying to separate the spiritual from the physical, especially when it comes to the Lord's Prayer. I would invite you to consider the physical needs that come along with this petition in the Lord's Prayer. They are linked together. Perhaps the best place to go in thinking about the daily bread is the place that Jesus went whenever he was tempted by the evil one to break his fast, when he was tempted to act independently from God and turn that, those stones into bread to satisfy his hunger. And the place where Jesus went was Deuteronomy chapter 8, and that's going to be our sermon passage this morning. So if you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, the fifth book of the Bible. I'm going to read the first 10 verses. Deuteronomy is a book that really captures Moses' last words to the people before they entered into the promised land. And before they go in, he recounts where they had been. As it turns out, the people had been in a liminal space. 
They had been in a liminal space for over 40 years. They had a chance to reach their destination earlier in their history. They came right up to the cusp of taking the promised land. And right when they got there, they sent spies to go scout things out. And the spies come back with this majority report. They say, hey, that, this land is everything that God said it was. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It is fertile. But sadly, there are people in this land, the Canaanites. And they have these cities that are heavily fortified. And, and the walls are really tall. And speaking of tall, the people are really tall. They make us look like grasshoppers. We can't do it. We're in for it if we try to go take the promised land. And the people hear this majority report and, and they were given over to fear and despair and they grumbled and they cried out and because of this, God sends them to the wilderness for 40 years until that generation dies out. They aren't ready to grab a hold of the promised land. So God sends them to a liminal space, an in-between space as a punishment for sure. But in Deuteronomy 8, when Moses looks back at the 40 years of wandering in the desert, Moses has a different take on what the wilderness was all about. And it in involves daily bread. It involves the manna of heaven that fed the people in the wilderness. So every morning they would gather the manna that appeared on the ground and they would store their daily bread. But they couldn't store for the future. If you recall, they could only take what was needed just for the day. If they gathered too much, it would rot. So think about that. Forty years of this ritual of going out every morning and gathering the daily bread, the bread of heaven. Well, let's read these words of Moses that Jesus quotes whenever he is tempted to break his fast. From Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of God. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that He might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. Verse 3, He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. 
a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. May God bless the reading of His Word. It's a beautiful passage, but along with the wilderness being a punishment for that generation, Moses sees this liminal space of the wilderness as God's discipline, God's training. The wilderness is a training ground, but training for what? Well, prior to the wilderness, the people failed over and over again Even at the base of Mount Sinai with the incident of the golden calf, they failed to place their trust in God. So if something were to happen that didn't go their way, or they became hungry or thirsty, or they heard the report from the spies and they became frightened, their reflex was to complain, to gripe. Their reflex was to lash out at Moses and ultimately to lash out at God. Even after all they had witnessed with the Red Sea and Mount Sinai, they failed to place their trust in God. So God takes them to the wilderness to train them like children, to train them to trust, to train them to be dependent upon Him even for their daily bread. So I think about what we try to do in raising our children. We, we try to teach them to be independent. We try to teach them to be self-reliant. We train them to one day be off on their own when they make their own decisions, when they raise their own families. And many of these skills we try to instill in them, is, they're good skills to have. And yet, to be God's child, our stance is different in our disposition toward God. We take a stance of dependence. We take a stance of trust. Our relationship with God is trust and recognition that that we really can't take one step on our own without God supplying us with that daily bread. And it's one thing to know that up here. It's one thing to know that in our minds. But to truly internalize that message and to truly take a hold of that relationship of dependence, we have to spend time in the wilderness. There's really no other way to get that. It requires us to spend time in those liminal spaces when our resources are depleted and we come to that place where what we need is not enough to get to where we want to go, whether it's a hospital bed and thinking about how you're going to get home, or maybe it's late at night and you're in a situation where the thoughts are running through your head and you have anxiety and you're pacing back and forth while everyone else is asleep and... You're in a situation that's beyond you. You're in a situation that is out of your control. Make no mistake about it, the wilderness is not a pleasant experience. We want out of the wilderness as soon as we take a step into it. 
Immediately after we walk into the wilderness, we want to push the fast-forward button and get to the promised land. And we wonder to ourselves, or we may even wonder out loud, why God is not letting us instantly find relief or healing or financial stability or whatever your wilderness may be. But brothers and sisters, it's in the wilderness where we learn the best lesson that we could possibly learn. That God does His best work in the wilderness. And that God truly supplies us with what we need to make it through the day. The daily bread. I like what Carmen Iim says about life in the wilderness and life in the liminal space. She says this, Rushing on to the next thing may prevent us from becoming who He wants us to be when we get there. I'll repeat that. Rushing on to the next thing may prevent us from becoming who He wants us to be when we get there. We may have something to learn in the wilderness. So what are we saying when we lift up this petition for God to give us this day our daily bread? Is it not a declaration of dependence? Is it not a statement of trust that God is doing something in our situation to us and for us that will help us to become the people that He's called us to be? Is it not a statement of profound and deep gratitude and thanksgiving for God supplying us with a daily bread that gets us through the day? I'll end this sermon with a story that Imes shares in her, her book. And it's about a woman named Joanne. And this is her story. Meet Joanne. She lives away from the public eye, alone in a suburban neighborhood of Charlotte, North Carolina. She has no cable TV, no internet, no smartphone. Her husband, Ron, died several years ago. He had suffered a stroke leaving him unable to drive and in need of extra care. Joanne spent most of her adult life as a missionary in Africa and never learned to drive. So the two of them were housebound, dependent on others to take them to the grocery store, to medical appointments, or to the church. Joanne is not likely a candidate for a book illustration. Hardly anyone sees her. But I did. We lived around the corner from Ron and Joanne for almost five years. I watched as her circle of activity grew ever smaller. Her active involvement in church was the first to be curtailed. Then her daily walks. Ron could not be left alone for long. Joanne never complained. She looked to Jesus for her strength. Once I asked her if she was able to manage caring for Ron on her own. 
She paused, trying to find the right words. Abel, she said, I don't suppose that's the best word. No, I'm not able, but I'm enabled. God gives us everything we need, doesn't he? God gives us everything we need, doesn't he? Do you find yourself in a wilderness this morning? Well, when you think about it, as we look around, we know we are not in the new heavens and the new earth yet. In fact, all of life is a wilderness for believers. But God provides us with the daily bread. No, none of us are able, but by God's grace, we are enabled. And we are enabled because God supplies us with exactly what we need to get through the day. We're going to sing a song of invitation, a song that speaks to God's faithfulness to us whenever we find ourselves in the liminal spaces and in the wilderness wanderings. God does supply us. And maybe this morning you've come to a place where you are stretched beyond what you can bear. But this church family is with you. And more importantly, God, our Father, hears your cries and is able to supply you with what you need. If you'd like to respond to the good news of God's work in our lives, especially seen through Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified, the one who was risen on the third day, we invite you to come in His good news as we stand and as we sing.